Good morning. How are we? Before we get started, uh, I just um, noticed in the pew, and, and don't know if we've actually talked about these before, maybe before, but it's been a while. Uh, there are sort of service directories uh, that exist. They should be in the back of the pews. These contain sort of information as to if you're looking for places to serve, to get involved within the church, uh, there's opportunity for you here. This kind of lays out a lot of places where, where we are looking for uh, or there's potential for people to serve. If you're looking for ways to get involved, like to be a part of a ministry, uh, ministry leaders' names are listed uh, within here uh, along with numbers and everything like that so you can get in touch with them uh, and we can uh, hopefully more deeply connect you into our church. Uh, we think that it's a, it's a pretty strong and important thing to uh, not just be connected on a Sunday morning, but to get the most from uh, sort of a church body and a church community to look for ways to get uh, deeper connected, whether that's with a few uh, or, or many more. And so if you are uh, interested in the different things, lots of people you can get in touch with here, uh, and we'd love once again uh, to more deeply connect you to what's going on here at Espen Alliance Church. Let me pray. Jesus, we give you this time. We pray that you would make yourself known to us. We pray that you would take this uh, and that you would do with uh, our time what it is that you want. God, would you uh, express your heart? Would you show um, who you are in this time? And God, would you use my words uh, to uh, reveal truth and to uh, show your nature, uh, your goodness, and, and God, your presence uh, within the, the multiple places of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. <clears throat> so my name is Jim. For those of you who don't know, I'm uh, one of the pastors here at the church, uh, and I'll be speaking to you for uh, a little bit for the next little while. How many of you have been booking um, holidays, vacation time, holidays coming up? You're looking forward to your summer, or you're looking towards, I know a lot of people get away over the, uh, the winter hours, and so uh, hours, days, weeks, years, it seems like sometimes. <laughs> uh, and so maybe that's already come and gone and all that. And I know that some people's work reality makes it difficult for you to, uh, to get away, and so I don't mean to, to bring that up here. But are any of you sort of planning, you know, holidays, vacations, you're looking forward to those, you're thinking about those? There's some nodding and all that kind of stuff. Good. Our, our family just recently uh, planned out uh, a couple of our weeks for the summer. We always head back to BC, or quite often do, um, because we know that it's important to go and see family and to have our kids be around family, and that's where all of our family is. Uh, and so we have different plans to go and see uh, family members to stay in Summerland, where my parents are, and to see in Kamloops, where Anna's parents are. Uh, but we've also made uh, time to go and to camp, so we've reserved our campsites. And, uh, and we're very excited. We tent, uh, we bring uh, a couple of uh, little cooking devices for that, we do some things over the fire, we bring um, hammocks and, and chairs. It's not, it's not, we're not roughing it by any shape of the word, but we are sleeping on the ground with an air mattress separating us in the ground, uh, and we don't have a working toilet in our campsite, we have to go somewhere else to find that. But uh, it's still pretty luxurious camping, and we look forward to it. We love it, and so we've booked our sites, uh, and we've been talking to our kids about it, and they're excited about it too. What we've found actually is that once you plan your holiday, it's hard for you to stay kind of in the present, right? <laughs> it's hard for you to say, oh, it's 
it's so far away and we just want to be camping and, and that's what we want to do and, and, uh, and it's a hard thing to kind of wait for that after you've, after you've been excited and are, and are thinking ahead about it. And talking to our kids about it, uh, it's always neat to hear that this is uh, currently, you know, some of their favorite memories come from camping and hopefully that will be something that they hold on to. But as we were talking to them, one of the things that, uh, that our youngest was excited about, she just said, um, I just love waking up uh, and it's so quiet in the morning, which is ironic because she produces a lot of noise herself. <laughs> but that she loves the quiet of the campsite, that coming out and, and yeah, there's, there's, the, there's no, like, we would try to reduce our, our phone usage. There's no, like, traffic noise and all that kind of stuff. There's a, there's a campfire and the crackling of the wood if, if we're not, you know, on, on fire delays or bans or anything like that. And, and it's just a beautiful, peaceful time. And that's one of the things I think that I look forward to and, and love so much about uh, getting outdoors and camping is, uh, is the silence. There's something for me that is uh, beautiful, restorative, and necessary uh, about silence. That it can just be a beautiful time where you can uh, rest your own mind, you can quiet your own thoughts, um, you don't necessarily have to worry about too many other responsibilities uh, and that you can, I think, within silence and as we silence so much of the other noise within our lives that we can open ourselves up to God and actually we can open ourselves up to one another as well and really listen to each other. So silence can be a, a beautiful and necessary thing. But one of the other things is that silence can actually be unbearable. I don't know, sometimes this could be a personality thing, that some people just don't want silence. Sometimes maybe we get very uncomfortable around silence because in silence, and this isn't a judgment, but in silence we do have our own emotions and our own thoughts to work through and sometimes some of us work really hard to not have to think about our own thoughts and to work through uh, and be confronted with our own emotions. Sometimes silence can be uh, almost unendurable. This morning as I was going over uh, the messages I usually do early on Sunday mornings, uh, I was sitting in our chair at home and it was quiet. Everybody was asleep and there was no noise in the house. But in the silence, I all of a sudden noticed how loud our clock is and it became so grating on me. It's just like tick, tock, tick. And it just, wouldn't, it just wouldn't stop. And it became like, oh, this is why we have noise in our house because we don't, so that we don't hear this stupid clock going. Silence can become unbearable if you are waiting to hear something and the news isn't coming to you. Or silence can be unbearable when it's someone in your life that is not speaking to you. Someone is giving you the silent treatment or someone has become distant and someone has become uh, not present for you. Silence can become something uh, that is no longer beautiful and restorative. Silence can be something uh, that grates on us. And it can be very, very hard uh, to then sit in silence. And this is what I wanted to talk about this morning. We, we've started a series last week to, to ask the question, where is God in, in some of the difficult things that we face? And so last week we talked about where is God uh, in times of uncertainty or where is God when our future uh, is uncertain? Maybe that's economic, maybe that's relational, maybe that's um, just a number of different things. And today we want to talk about where is God in the silence? And specifically, um, not so much the good kind of silence, but, but to think of where is God when it seems as though 
He is silent. Where is God when the, the presence that we had become used to at some point in time in our lives, the, the nudges that we had experienced from him, the, the words of scripture popping off of the book uh, or popping off of the page to say to us, I'm here and I'm speaking to you. Where is God when these things fade away, when these things are no longer um, our experience? My intention when, we come, when we've come to this series is to, um, is to take a difficult thing and to ask where is God, to then use one passage of Scripture to kind of spend our time in uh, and then to talk about that for our time and try to apply that to our lives. What I actually found, though, um, is that this was quite difficult. This is one of the times where uh, it, would, it would have been better for me to just pick a book of Scripture and say, okay, well, we're just going to preach this and teach this, and that's what some people do, and that's often what I have done in the past, too, is to say, we're going to work through this letter or this book, and we're going to find out what it says. Sometimes when you have a topic in mind and you go to Scripture to see where you can find it, uh, it can become troublesome. Um, because it can be difficult to find, or you can begin reading your own opinion into things. Um, and so for this one, where I asked the question, well, where is God in silence? It was difficult for me to actually find a good passage of Scripture, or a primary passage of Scripture, to be able to talk with you about. I think here's the reason, because the Bible is God speaking. Like, that's where the difficulty lies, right? Is that, is that what we have in Scripture is actually the account of God speaking to His people. And so it's quite difficult to turn to Scripture and say, okay, well, where is God in silence? Because this is all God speaking. <laughs> and so some could say, well, yeah, then God is never really silent because we always have Scripture to be able to turn to. But through the ages, you've always come across people uh, very, very wise people who have acknowledged that there are seasons that probably most of us face where that would become our reality, where God does become silent. And so I've had to get a little creative this morning, and I hope that you can forgive me, and I hope that you can treat this uh, with a little bit of grace um, as, we, as we look to say uh, within Within a couple of passages of Scripture, but also within, within <clears throat> sorry, some of the silence of Scripture, we're going to ask the question and examine the question, where is God in silence? Right off the bat, right, we need to acknowledge that God speaks. We have to agree uh, that for God, for us to experience that God is silent, we have to agree and admit that, yes, we know that God speaks. And we've talked about the fact that he uh, speaks through Scripture, that he has revealed himself to people through history uh, in a way that they have been able to record and to write down, and that they have recorded it and written it down in such a way that we say that it is the very Word of God that they have written for us, and it is then God speaking to us. God is someone who has always desired to be known. He wants to reveal himself to other people. And so he has revealed himself through Scripture. But we also see 
that as God revealed himself to the original scriptures writers through dreams, visions, through actually speaking to them in many, many different ways, uh, he continues to speak to us today as well. You find in John chapter 10 uh, the words of Jesus where he says uh, early on in, in a parable that he's teaching there that as he's comparing uh, Christians to sheep and himself to a gatekeeper uh, and a good shepherd, he says, my sheep know my voice. They hear me and they follow me. They hear the voices of other people and they know not to follow them, but they hear my voice and they follow me. So there is this reality that we see that God speaks to his people, that he has spoken, but that he continues to speak. And there's a multitude of ways in which God does speak to us, both through Scripture, um, through others and the knowledge of others through um, like nudges you can say sort of it's not intuition but it feels like intuition if that makes any sense it's Holy Spirit led kind of feelings that you know that you have uh, somebody's referred to the sense that sometimes you just know something and that that is a way that God has communicated something to you that he does speak uh, within visions or pictures that he can speak within dreams that we see all these things within scripture uh, and that these are the ways that God uh, communicates and God's desires to reveal himself to us. But when he is silent, what do we do with that? There's three different biblical passages or thoughts that I want to examine here to help us, to help us understand this a little bit better. And the first one is actually not really a biblical passage, but it's, uh, it's a specific time in history um, it's this page <laughs> in, in your Bible um, after the book of Malachi, which is the very final book of the Old Testament uh, where the prophet has uh, written and recorded and, and spoken uh, words to God's people. And before uh, the Gospel of Matthew is, is written, uh, we, have, we have, I guess, like the blank page in between the Testaments, the Old and the New Testament, which actually represents about 500, 450 to 500 years of history where we would say, while there have been historical writings and there have been different things, where we would say that ultimately God has been either silent or has not spoken in the way uh, that, he, that, that God's people had been used to him speaking through uh, numerous prophets and kings and different things along those lines, the spiritual leaders that existed. Uh, there is this period of time where people have looked and said, well, God was silent. And there were significant things that happened in this time. As you can imagine, in 500 years of human history, a lot of stuff happened, and a lot of stuff happened to the Israelite people. They were, in, uh, they were invaded, for sure, by uh, both the Greeks and the Romans. The Greeks had then taken over uh, all of the, the lands that the Israelites had uh, under Alexander the Great, that there was a revolution then uh, within, within the, the, the people of Israel, uh, the Maccabean uh, revolutions under a guy by the name of Judas the Hammer Maccabeus, and, uh, and he uh, led this great time, which actually probably set the stage. Like, if you know in, in the New Testament, sorry, I'm digressing a little bit, but I find this interesting. <laughs> in the New Testament, when Jesus comes, so often people are thinking that he's going to be like this military victor, that he is going to deliver them from the people of Rome, because they're used to seeing revolutionaries rise up as a people group. 
uh, within this time as different nations came and, and took them over uh, and oppressed them and ruled them. Uh, you then have the Roman Empire coming in and, and, and wiping out the Greeks and, and taking over uh, the people here. But within this time, when, when different significant groups that then led into the time of the New Testament were kind of rising up, um, God was silent. And so even though there were significant things going on at this time, and even though there were obviously places that God was active, that God was there with his people in different ways in which I'm sure God was communicating to people, it seemed like there was so much more that God could have done. And why in this time would God have been silent? Why is silence significant in this particular political and military events in the life of God's people. And I'm going to take another, another uh, a quick look at another time jump that we see within the Bible to maybe try to explain this a little bit uh, as well. But within, in between the books of Genesis and Exodus, you, you have a time jump as well. That you see that um, at the end of Genesis, right, uh, Joseph had been sold into slavery. Uh, all of his brothers and, and, and family had come over into Egypt as they were then uh, delivered from this great famine that had hit the land. And the Israelites then began living uh, in Egypt. And at the beginning of Exodus, it says that there came a Pharaoh and there came a people that forgot about Joseph because Joseph was highly thought of in Egypt, and so the Israelites were treated well, but when leaders came in and rulers came in who didn't remember Joseph and what he had done, they began seeing the Israelites as a threat and an enemy. And so they turned them into slaves and used them uh, to build their own kingdom, the Egyptian kingdom, and not to treat them well. And that there is a significant time jump that takes place between those two, those two uh, Genesis and Exodus, where you could also then say probably in that time, that God was silent and his people were being oppressed and they were then, it says in Exodus, crying out for a deliverer and that's when God raises up Moses. So in then this time of silence as well as in the time of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament, what is God doing? Where is God in this silence? The main thing that I can think of within this and as I looked at this and tried to consider and, and, and pray about what it is that God would be doing within this time and, and, and where it is that he was was that periods of silence like this can often be a sign of God's preparation for something significant. And it's not that like God's energy is going elsewhere and so he can't speak to his people, like God's busy, oh, preparing Jesus to then come to the people and he's preparing all these different things so he's not able to do these things. No, God has power to do everything, but it seems as though there is some significance behind the fact that when God is silenced, there is preparation that is going on. Whether it's the preparation of people's hearts, whether it's the preparation of uh, cultures, whether it's the preparation that is needed for different time periods, but that there is something significant that is happening. And maybe it's just something as simple as the fact that silence is something that can create in people a longing for something, for something better, or even for something and a way of being that they used to know. That even the silence of God can prepare 
God's people can prepare each of us for that time uh, when he will speak again, that there is then this desire and a willingness to embrace it, where if God is always consistently in the same way speaking to us, as you know, we are all capable of drowning out voices. We are all capable of ignoring the things that we always see, and so potentially there is reasoning behind this that God is preparing his people in silence, and maybe if we ourselves are experiencing a time of silence where God is not um, approaching us and speaking to us in the way that he used to, perhaps God is preparing you for something significant that's coming. So I think that silence, where is God in silence? Perhaps he is uh, doing some work of preparation. One of the other passages that I wanted to look at to sort of ask the question, where is God in silence, is in John chapter 15. Uh, and this, as you, as you read it, as you see it, you'll, you'll know it, uh, even if you didn't know it when I said John chapter 15, but this is the passage that says, I am, this is Jesus speaking, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. And he goes on to say, yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches, then connecting and to say that, that the branches that are being cut off is actually followers. The branches that are being pruned are actually followers of Jesus. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And that while this passage doesn't speak specifically of silence, I think that it speaks of some of the activity that God may be up to in the midst of silence when we are not experiencing him uh, specifically and fully in the fact that God may be in the act of pruning. He may be in the act of pruning. <clears throat> so trees, uh, and I'm no gardener, so uh, forgive me. Um, trees, but my understanding is that trees or, or bushes or plants grow more branches than is necessary that they just send uh, whatever energy exists within the plant, whatever food that they've had, the light, and, and everything that photosynthesis, photosynthesis produces, they then send out to grow uh, branches and things like that. Um, and that actually they grow more than is uh, even necessary for, for fruit bearing. And that all of the energy that the tree has can go into all of these little branches uh, so that they actually won't bear uh, the fruit that we would want to see in a tree. And that to focus uh, the energy of a plant towards fruit bearing, you actually need to cut off other branches so that it can't send um, its energy that way. It can't send the growing uh, power towards that. So you cut that off so that then you actually direct uh, where it is that the plant is putting its energy. And that I've actually read that upwards of 90% of new branches or vines uh, should get cut off so that uh, those other older, stronger branches that are more uh, healthier and, and able to bear fruit can bear fruit. And the tree puts its energy out into the strongest branches. And so I think that, that, that this picture is, is apt for us because I think that we can be like this that there is potential for us to do more than is necessary within our lives, that we try to focus on uh, so many areas of our life um, and so many different things, that our energy uh, to do the things, our time, our, our resources, our effort, uh, is divided up in so many ways that it actually produces 
very little real and visible fruit. They were spending so much of our time kind of growing these branches that could have the potential of fruit, yet we're not actually seeing fruit grow. And that I think that our lives, and I know my own life, uh, can use a good pruning from time to time so that we grow good fruit. And so I think that as much as we should like continue on with our lives and our practices in a, in a time that God is silent, like we don't, we don't necessarily shift our lives totally um, from the things that God has told us when he has been active, when we have been able to hear him clearly. Uh, we don't necessarily shift those things fully when we enter into a time of silence. We are needing to look at our lives and to seriously ask ourselves and examine what it is that may need to be pruned, what may need to go uh, in order for us to be fruitful. And so I think that, that one of the places that God is within silence is that he is asking us to turn inward. That he actually is inward and that he is calling us to prune off past hurts, current expectations, bitterness, anger, uh, activities, things that maybe we have said yes to because we think that it will make us appear better uh, or good, but actually those things don't produce anything good in us, that we are needing to examine our lives and to say to ourselves, where is the fruit? Where do I want the fruit to be? Where does God want the fruit to be? Uh, and what do I need to cut off to make it so that, that uh, the, the, the spirit who is growing within me can put his effort properly towards those branches that need to bear fruit? So are there branches that we've let grow in our lives, um, unchecked or unexamined, that need to be cut off? I think this is one of the activities, this is one of the places that God may be in the silence, is that he is preparing uh, each of us um, and pruning each of us for greater fruitfulness. And then lastly, you're still with me? Only half of you have fallen asleep. <laughs> um, well, you wouldn't be able to say anything if you were asleep anyway at that point in time, so I don't know why I did that. Lastly, uh, for our point, I want us to turn to Psalm 63 uh, and to take a look at um, maybe one, one final answer as to where, where is God in silence. So, so we've seen that potentially, and I'm proposing to you, uh, that I think within silence that God is uh, preparing us or that God is doing work of preparation uh, I'm proposing to you that God is pruning us in, in silence, that he is um, asking us to examine our lives and to cut loose the things that are, are not as fruitful as we thought they could be. And that I think in Psalm 63, we have another indication of what God is doing. And I think that what God is doing within silence is God is pushing us. He's pushing us. David writes in Psalm 63, O oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. In this parched and weary land where there is no water, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, 
I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Within Psalm 63, there is this incredible picture of David's longing for God. And I think actually to David's pursuit of God. That I don't know that I can look very often in my life and honestly answer the question, like, do I thirst for God like this? Does your whole body long for him as though you're in a parched and weary land where there is no water? Do you lie awake at night thinking about God? Do I? Sometimes I think that we say that we don't hear from God, but what price have we paid to make that happen? What things have we done? How much have we pushed ourselves? Have we sacrificed anything to pursue God wholly and fully? Like, I think, I get the sense that in this story, in this psalm, sorry, David would go to incredible lengths. If, if this is a story where God has removed his presence for him or it feels to David as though he has been removed, that he is surrounded by enemies, as it says near the end of the psalm here, um, that David would go to great lengths to get back to a place or to get to a new location even in his life where God would once again be rich like this to him, that he says, I have seen you in your sanctuary. Like, I remember these times, and this isn't my reality right now, that David would have gone to great lengths to do this. What about us? Have we given anything up? If we feel as though you know, we, we come before God in prayer and, and we're not receiving answers or we're not hearing from Him, we're not experiencing Him, we're not gaining the fullness of the Spirit, whatever it may be, whatever language you want to use here, have you given anything up to do that? Because sometimes I think God is pushing us to see what we will do to properly pursue Him. Have you given up any time? Have you given up any TV habits? Have you fasted? Have you given up any food? Have you given up any vacations days to dedicate those things to your pursuit of God? Have we invested significant time and effort in pursuing Him during our silence? Have we invested in books of others who have written about it? Have we sought out other people's perspectives who have gone through this, people who we respect and have experienced? Have we considered or have we gone on a day retreat? Have we gone on a weekend retreat? Have we gone on a week-long retreat where you just say, I will go to the cabin or I will go to this retreat center. I will shut myself in this room until I hear from God. Have we engaged in this kind of pursuit to hear from God? Have you dedicated and used your gifts? I read about the, the power of creativity this morning. Have you dedicated and used your gifts to pursue God, your joyful hobbies, whether it's writing or singing or building or painting, imagining, fixing? Is there a way for you to pursue God uh, within your favorite activities? Have you dedicated aspects of your life so that you would be able to hear from God. 
I think that within silence, God may be pushing us. Like, not always. Sometimes it's just silent and there's other things that are going on, but I think that there are times where God is pushing us, pushing us to notice that we miss Him, that we need Him, uh, that in Him is meaning and rest and beauty, uh, and that He is what matters. And will we pursue Him? What will we sacrifice? What will we give? What will we do? I know that our salvation has come freely to us, that we are saved purely by grace. I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I'm so thankful for that. But Christ-likeness and union with Christ and being like Him within this world and being filled with the Spirit uh, of power, a lot of those things come at a cost to us personally. So I think that within silence, um, God is preparing us, God is pruning us, which they can be similar, um, and God is potentially pushing us. I don't want to be the guy who always goes back to kind of the same story, you know, people who like tell the same story over and over and over again. We have these events uh, that are significant to us and sometimes it makes us look really good and usually in my case it makes me look quite foolish. Um, But for me one of these stories that I I so often go back to because it was such a turning point in my life was was my very first ordination interview within the Alliance. Uh, as, a, as a pastor, as a worker, I have to go, I had to do a bunch of homework over a two-year period of time, read a bunch of books, write a bunch of papers, and then sit before a panel of like 10 other pastors and Christian leaders while they asked me questions and made sure that I was fit for ministry. Uh, and that first time, I did not prove to be fit for ministry. Uh, and it was really, really hard for me. And I remember coming away from my interview Um, And they gave me another chance, obviously, because here I am. (laughs) Uh, But I remember coming away from that first interview and and talking with um, uh, a pastor afterwards and just saying, you know, it was like in the interview, it was like God wasn't even there. It was like I went in, and, and I, can be, I can be lackadaisical about things. I can, I can take things a little bit too lightly. I know that about myself. <laughs> I see that. But it was like I went in and expected that God would show up in the, in the number of ways that he has in the past, and so I'll prepare to a certain degree, but I'm sure I'll just get through it. Um, and I remember just in the interview and then after the interview reflecting back on it and thinking, it really felt like God just removed his presence and his comfort and his blessing, and just let me be me, like, without him, and it was like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> this was not a, this was not a good experience for me, nor anybody else who was there, I think, and, um, and, and I remember reflecting back on that, and thinking, well, why would a God have left me in that time, and I remember some people, um, maybe out of kindness, uh, but it felt kind of toxic, um, proposing that, well, that's because you shouldn't be in ministry. <laughs> that's obviously why God removed his presence from you. He wanted you to fail, um, because that's not your place. And I looked at that, and man, you know, I wrestled with that for quite a while. But as I look back on it now, knowing what I know about myself, and seeing the fruit uh, that God has produced within me, I would be more comfortable saying that within this experience, 
um, that I had where I felt as though God had left me. God had been silent. That I think he was preparing me. That I think there were things that he was doing within that time that he needed to do that he would only be able to do with silence. That he would be able to then show me what things were like without him and how far away uh, from, from his example I was. I think that for sure God was pruning me. There are things that, that he cut off of me uh, in that experience uh, that I am so grateful for, but I don't think would have been cut off in any other way. And it was painful, but I saw the fruit following it. And I think that God was for sure pushing me. And I see that beyond that experience in my life, when he was to show me uh, through that how far away I was from where I think he wanted me to be and where it was that I imagined myself to be, that he pushed me and he drove me to continue pursuing him more and more and more to realize that I'd likely been coasting uh, and hadn't really been pursuing him. And so for me, like I think that in silence I experienced all three of these things and that these are likely things that... Um, my hope here is that this can be an encouragement to you. I know that I can be a bummer sometimes. <laughs> but silence is not God's lack of care for you. Right? Silence is not God's anger at you. Silence is not God's judgment and condemnation on you. Silence is God's preparing of you. Silence is God's pruning you. Silence is God pushing you to experience real and true life within him. And so I want to encourage you in that to say, if this is your current experience, or if you've been through these stages where you had that experience and all of a sudden, you know, it stopped, but you still sort of look at that time of your life and you say, where were you there, God? This was incredibly confusing to me. There's places that he was. He wasn't away from you. He didn't abandon you. He was there. But his silence in the point of time uh, was meaningful and was purposeful. <clears throat> Oftentimes in our service, we have a time of prayer. Uh, and sometimes in our service, we move that, um, depending on what we're doing um, within our service. And so today, we're, we're moving our time of prayer to now, uh, just to follow the sermon, because it feels like in thinking through this and, and not knowing how uh, the atmosphere would be at this point in time, but it felt like this would be a good time to give you an opportunity to personally respond to God in some way. You know, to, don't, when I say personally respond to God, I don't mean uh, you have to all get up and say something. <laughs> I'm not going to force your participation in this, so it's okay if, you're, if you became very uh, concerned when I said that. But that we wanted to give you an opportunity to um, maybe think about, think about these three things. Is there something that God is preparing me for? Is there something that God is pruning within me? Is there something God is pushing me towards? But also just to give you an opportunity to, to listen for God, to give you an opportunity to hear from God. And even just before we get into it, I want to acknowledge that if there are people here who find themselves, if you find yourself in a deep time of silence from God, I know you're frustrated. And I know that by me saying, hey, we're going to take five minutes to give you an opportunity to hear from God, you're like, well, if it hasn't happened in the last little while, why would it happen now? Thanks a lot. <laughs> but if we don't give him the chance, and this is what I truly believe, like, like we, are not, we are not the one who makes God 
move. We are not the one who makes God speak. Our, our prayers obviously matter, and the work that we do in that, like God, God responds to us, but we can't force God's hand. But we can place ourselves in a position where God would most likely be able to speak to us, where God would most likely be able to move. I've referred to it sometimes as like a sunbeam, and, and uh, there's a sunbeam that's coming into the house, and if you're cold, it would be good for you to move into the sunbeam. I mean, we can turn on the heat, but you see cats sort of move into the sunbeam, and the work that you're doing is not actually warming yourself up, but you're just putting yourself in a place where the sun is actually going to warm you up. And so I sort of feel like a lot of the work that we do with Jesus, with God in our souls, is that kind of work, that we're placing ourselves in a position where God will move within us, where God will bless us, and that our work is just to move. And so I want to give this time to God to say to you, to say to God, okay, speak, and, and, and if I can give you a couple of suggestions. Um, firstly, my suggestion would be to say, um, is to ask God if you are experiencing a time of silence or you have experienced kind of these confusing times of silence in the past, that you would be willing to ask God, okay, within this, where were you or where are you? Were you preparing me? Were you pruning me? Were you pushing me? Not necessarily why, but where. And sometimes God can show us a picture. Sometimes God can give us a word uh, that in those situations can be incredibly life-giving. And, and, and we are his sheep and he is our shepherd and so we know his voice and, and, and you try to listen for his voice within this and know that his voice is the voice that will lead you uh, to life, even if it is lead you to repentance uh, and to, to confess something to God that is ultimately to lead you to life. Uh, another thing that you could do in this time is that you could turn to Scripture. God can sometimes give you <clears throat> a scripture. Uh, I found he often directs me to a psalm that he wants me to read and to consider um, and to then pray back to him. But you can turn to scripture and you can think on it. Uh, even as I've been talking, potentially, there's been scripture that's come into your mind. Uh, and then one of the other things that you could do is that you could think about, <clears throat> you could think about your life currently. You could think about those three things. Um, preparation. Um, pruning and pushing and, and, and maybe think about if there is something in there uh, as well. And if you are just in a season uh, where God is just so present to you, then just take the next little while to just rejoice in that. Be so grateful that the presence of God uh, is close and that he is with you. And it's not a rare thing. Uh, it's not something that, that's intended to be rare. Uh, and so I don't want that impression to come across as I'm speaking, but that if that's just your season, you don't have to pretend that that's not your season. Just embrace it and be, and be joyful that God is uh, with you in that sense. <clears throat> so, so let's pray together. <clears throat> I'm going to pray uh, just to invite God to speak, and then you're going to have a period of silence where you are going to then be able to do uh, whatever it is you feel led to do in this time, uh, to speak to God, to hear from God, whatever you feel able. Uh, and then I will close off in prayer, uh, and our worship team will come and, uh, and close us off um, today.
Jesus, we thank you for your presence here, and we thank you that you shepherd us, that you care for us, that you lead us, and that you guide us, that we are able to turn to you. And that it's not just for answers that we turn to you, but it's also for relationship. It's also to know you. It's to walk through this life with you. And so, God, would you, by your Holy Spirit, in this time, uh, make yourself known to us. We invite you here. Would you... um, Would you move amongst us? Would you speak words from your heart to our hearts? Would you enable us, God, to maybe lay down some of our, our doubts? Not our questions, because it's good to humbly test and, and to ask whether this is God, but that we would lay down some of our doubts and some of those barriers that can often get in the way of us hearing from you, but we want to give you this time. We invite your Holy Spirit to um, reveal Jesus to us.
Jesus, we want to thank you for your presence. And, and, and God, if this time felt short to people, I want to thank you for that and pray that, um, that you would just continue to speak and continue to move. God, for those of us who that time felt very, very long, um, I pray that your spirit of grace would continue to show yourself and reveal yourself and, uh, and enable us to hear uh, from your spirit, God, that you would that you would cause the clouds to break and, and your, your, the son of, of your son, Jesus, to shine through, that we would see you, that we would hear you, that we would know you. God, I pray that the things that you've spoken to us that we would hold on to, uh, that we would remember that we would be able to experience you more and more fully as we, as we continue on uh, in, in knowing you and in, in following you and loving you. And God, would you continue to do within us <clears throat> what it is that you want to do, Father, if you are uh, moving us as individuals, as a community, whatever it is, through a season of preparation, through a season of pruning, through a season of, uh, of pushing, God, help us to embrace whatever you have for us. Because you know what's best, and you truly care for us, and you will give us uh, what it is that we need. And I think there are times where we just fight against that. I know myself, I can fight against the things that you want to do. And so, God, would you help us as individuals, as, as a community, to submit uh, to you um, so that we can be as you would have us to be, that the world would know that Jesus is King. So God, thank you once again, and we pray that you would uh, just bless us. Bless us with your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.